Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast of The Invisible World of Jeremy Jones, where it's not so much about how to live your best life, but how to show up and live your life. Thanks for joining. Episode 11. Welcome, everybody. This one's called Look Harder. Part one. Jeremy Jones here. Question for you. How many stars are in the universe? Current estimates put it at 10 billion billion, which is also called a lot. That's a lot. Can you picture that, Sky? Carl Sagan, the famous astrophysicist, observed that we are made of star stuff. Ah, episode one. But that star stuff, in turn, is made of atoms, the fundamental building blocks of nature. And there are more atoms in the human eye than there are stars in the known universe. Wait, what? Ah, that's amazing. Thanks, Carl. Did, did you ever know your eye was that complex, that powerful? Here you are, looking up at the heavens, in awe, gazing at the sheer magnificence and mind-bending enormity of it all. There's so many, so bright, so capable. But your eye, the beholder, houses even more atomic richness. What does that say about you and what you have to offer? What can you sparkle across your sky? It really puts things into perspective. All you need to do is fear not, only believe. I love what we did in the first few episodes about lessons from the stars, from our sun. Remember that? Well, we see the sun with our eyes, so let's take the opposite perspective like we talk about. And instead of lessons from the sun, let's see some lessons from our eyes. eyes. Okay? Uh, First lesson is that you can have perfect acuity vision, but not visual perception. You can still have impaired vision. You can have perfect clarity or acuity, the sharpness of an object. We say, we call that, that's 20-20 vision. But at the same time, your perception, the depth, the interpretation of objects and the relationship of their distance can be off. Perception is the play of light off the objects in the viewable environment and their surrounding relative relationship. Like, you can see an object clearly, but given variables, we say, oh, gosh, I didn't realize it was so close. You saw the object clearly, but the perception of distance relative to other objects was still coming in to focus. So there's a common idiom in English. It's there's more than what meets the eye. Have you heard that one? It means, you know, something or someone is more interesting, impressive, complicated, intricate, etc., right, than it first seemed to be. Everyone has seen The Lion King, right? Or you should see it. Not the new one. I'm talking about Disney's runaway popular animated version from years ago. If it's been a while, I included the video link to this scene in the show notes. It's that part when Simba, he's the lost, bewildered young lion. He was a runaway. He crossed paths with Rafiki. 
Rafiki, the staff-swinging baboon sensei, the wisdom leader, the tea-leaf reader. And while Simba is mourning the passing of his father, all he wants is to reunite with the love and guidance from his father, who was the king. So Rafiki helps and leads the young lion down to the water's edge, holds out his staff. I've seen your father there, look. And Simba, searching for his soul, says, his dad's not there. He doesn't see him. He's not in the water. He's disappointed. Ah, uh, that's just my reflection, Simba says. Um, he's, he's one smart lion. He's young. He has great vision. Maybe 2020? The reflection is indeed a perfect self-portrait of Simba. Perfect visual acuity. But what he lacks is perception. Just like our eyes can. After Simba says that that's all he can see is his reflection, Rafiki, he's unshaking, and he says, No, look hard. Right? The leaves wrestle and the wind whistles. The reflection sublimates to the spirit of his dad arising in the water. He sees his dad then in the clouds, and Simba feels his presence. And Rafiki says, You see, he lives in you. Simba is is now seeing that there's more than what meets the eye. That which we need the most, that we yearn for the most, it's not in the outer sensory field of sight. It lives in you. It's already there. You're searching for it because part of it is pulsating that feeling. I want that. I, I am that. Find me inside. Interesting. Keep that floating around in your invisible world today. Let's keep going. But let's stay on the same general track here. Let's just change gears a bit. So the other day, I went to the art museum to see the Art of the Brick exhibition by by the artist uh, Nathan Sawaya. Spoiler alert for anybody listening. uh, Nathan didn't go to art school. He was a lawyer. You know, I'm like, huh? I'm walking around this fantastic exhibit. I paid extra to see this portion of the exhibit. And, and to see what? To see a didn't go to no art school washed up attorney who now has his own exhibit. And it's all made of Lego bricks. Simple Lego bricks. Not the fancy custom ones. Just the everyday toddler's toy in the bottom drawer. The whole experience was just mind-bending and blowing. I mean, ah, Nathan now is mega famous, you know. He's been mentioned as the eighth most popular artist in the world. He actually owns 10 million Lego bricks. And he's exhibiting internationally at the most popular museums in the world. I don't know how it happened, but somehow Rafiki, he got a hold of Nathan. Look hard. I mean, could you imagine giving up a law career after you've paid all that money? Nathan had $100,000 in school loan debt. It wasn't like he was backstroking like Scrooge McDuck through the money in the ivory tower. I mean, oh, he comes through the door. Uh, Honey, I'm home. I quit the attorney thing. I'm going to stay home and build a a career out of Legos. It's so cool. I mean, I kept pacing around the exhibit until his piece called yellow stopped me in my tracks i took a picture of it that was against the rules but i wanted to carry that influence around in my pocket if you want to see a picture of it that's not bootlegged i have an official picture of it in the show notes the piece is called yellow 
yellow depicts a person breaking open their chest, like, like pulling apart two curtains and spilling out of the chest is Legos. Every piece is yellow. It's arguably his most famous piece, and it inherits a sort of authenticity and soul-searching aspect. He said, it's about my transitioning, opening up to the world. In other words, he's taking his invisible world and making it visible. The passion of art, of Lego building. I, I can't hold it up hostage inside anymore. I must pull open the curtain. Let my colors shine, my true me. Even if the partners at the firm laugh at me and my girlfriend dumps me, which, by the way, she didn't. I mean, how brave. The 100000 in student loans, years invested, right, in, in law career and studying, he quits. Because, sure, all that looks lickety-split, but there's more than what meets the eye. He was able to look harder. Of course, he's doing great financially now, but that's not the big win. The big win is how he sleeps at night, knowing he followed his passion. He believed boldly in himself. He heard the messenger come through his house, and then, and then he took the action. It didn't make sense completely in his head, but it did in his heart, in his solar plexus. Right? He said, when I was a lawyer, I quickly came to realize I was more comfortable sitting on the floor creating sculptures than I was sitting in a boardroom negotiating contracts. My own personal conflicts and fears, coupled with a deep desire for overall happiness, paved the way to becoming a full-time working artist. Hmm. Interesting, Nathan. Right? Was it his 10,000 hours of Lego practice? His 10,000 hours of art school? Wait, no, no, he didn't go to art school. And he spent his hours in law equations, not in Lego brick formations. So it's just like we talked about in the other episode. Like Sarah Blakely said, the youngest female billionaire, what's holding us back the most is self-doubt. That's the constraint. Like we talk about every episode. Take a chance on yourself, right? Believe boldly in yourself. 100000 of school loan debt, years of law study and prep. Listen to your heart. How fulfilling it must have been to take that kind of gamble and believe in yourself, to listen to your passion, to look harder, to trust your gut. I mean, it really inspired me. It really inspired me. So thank you, Nathan, if you're listening. Have you ever watched an episode of a TV show called Brain Games? It's on Netflix. Or for that matter, have you ever seen a magic trick? It's the same thing, same principle. The show is built on optical illusions that our eyes give. What we see, quote, right, it's processed differently by our brain. So what is an optical illusion? Well, a few examples. Are you familiar with that duck rabbit picture? It's one picture, but depending on your perspective, you could see a duck or a rabbit or both. Another example would be that two faces or vase, vase picture, right? You can see two faces or you can see the vase. 
Another example would be those pixelated puzzles that look like random colors, but there's a hidden figure if you gaze deeper. It's like then when you see the hidden figure inside all those colors, you're like it's a teddy bear, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. See, see, there's more than what meets the eye. You know, once you get past that first impression, once someone tells you, hey, it's not just a bunch of colors. You know, have you tried this eye puzzle? Look, look deeper. Look harder. There's a figure in there. You say okay, and you spend the extra two minutes looking harder. All right, but. If no one told you this, you just walk right on by and just think, oh, that's a cool, modern, colorful art piece. Or, hey, that's a cool duck. Are, are we walking right on by the opportunities in our life because we aren't looking harder? And we keep circling the block, you know, confused about why our family, our company, our checking account, our friends, like, man, wh- where are those darn elusive opportunities We don't need opportunities to come. We just need to focus our perception and believe boldly in ourselves. Even if it means quitting a law career to play with Legos. I mean, what are you itching to build in your life? And are you building it? Could be a lot, could just be a little, but do it every day. All right, the next lesson from your eye is about the complexity of your iris. You've seen James Bond, Mission Impossible, or some iteration of Ocean's Eleven. When they're breaking into the vault, the secret room, to get to the treasure, what's the last layer of security they have to break? The big hurdle. It's the iris, the biometric eye scanner. Why? Well, the fingerprint one was too easy. The iris of your eye is more complex and individualized than fingerprints. The, the average human iris has around 256 individual characteristics, while fingerprints, they only have around 40. So next time you're in the bathroom and you're doing one of those many COVID hand washes, look into your eyes and see the mirror turn to... Pretend it's turning to a dark, broad, endless sky. See stars all across the mirror, the stars of the universe. And remember the fact that your eye has more atoms than they. So see your special individualized characteristics. Look harder. Can you break into your vault with your unique iris to get inside your invisible world? You're the only one who has access to it. Not me, not your spouse, not your friend, not your parents. Right? Find it. Find the deeper treasure. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your beautiful guts just spill out of your chest. Pull the curtain back. Just like the yellow art piece from Nathan. You can use this deeper sight to find and follow your own yellow bricked road, even if it's made out of simple child toy like Legos. And speaking of deeper sight, tell me what you think of Stevie Wonder's eyesight. That's a different kind of eyesight, right? Born Blind or Ray Charles. How would you describe that kind of sight? I keep getting some downloads on this podcast from Italy. Ciao, Italy. 
So I threw in here an example of Andrea Bocelli. He's that world-famous Italian opera singer. And for good measure, I did the whole work up to this episode listening to his music, his energy. He went blind from about the age of 12. But get this. You're not, you're not expecting this. He said, Losing my sight had nothing to do with my focus on music. My passion for music was already there, so it would be a mistake to give too much significance to my blindness. Why well, isn't that interesting? Hmm? So if we say it's a mistake to give too much credit, too much significance to blindness, then the opposite view must be seen. We can't give too much credit to our vision either, to our five sensory outer world sight, that is. Because it may just be what? It may just be an optical illusion. Likely, there's more than what meets the eye. Bocelli saying, it's not the lack of sight that drives my music. It's not the inability to see. He's saying what? He's saying there's more than what meets the eye. It's in my invisible world. It's my passion for my music. That invisible energy transcends any kind of sight. That's what I follow. And I imagine he'd agree that when you follow your invisible sight, no matter your eye test, your vision is darn close to 2020. So, Jeremy Jones, are you following and believing in your life's passions? If there's a mountain of debt you are staring down, that naggy depression or anxiety you can't shake and the pills really aren't helping much or you're making less money lately than you did years back and you feel like you're backsliding and you're not where you want to be and you're flirting with a midlife crisis or a later life crisis or a any kind of crisis. I mean, gosh, ah, I thought I'd be so much further along by the time that I hit this arbitrary age number. Don't, don't be so quick to agree with me right away. Just fool around with the question. Explore. What might there be that's more than what meets the eye for you? Can we look harder to find the opportunities that are already here? They're hidden. They're here. They're hidden in the pixelated colors. We can look harder to find the peace with the non-peace. Not the peace Oh, don't worry, someday this is going to get better. I mean, that's okay. That's, believe me, there's worse things to say. But that's like saying, oh, someday I'll have peace. I mean, not today because I'm struggling with this problem, this addiction, this weight, this relationship. But we don't have to wait someday for peace because we can have peace right now. The peace with the non-peace, surrendering to the reality, learning from it, finding the benefits in it. Remember how big our house is? I mean, there's elevators and floors and wings, rooms that haven't even been opened yet. So depression and anxiety, they are just passing through the house. They're not the owners. You're the owner. And we can observe them and see how maybe they're trying to help us. They're trying to get us a message about something. Try this. Try this. Actually, I'm going to get a drink first and then try this. Mm. 
The other day, uh, I was having lunch with a good friend, and we have different viewpoints, which is healthy, which is encouraging. After all, I'm looking for the discomfort. I'm looking for more conflict. And during a particular tense part of our discussion, I felt our paths, our paths were kind of splintering. And I looked at his eyes. And instead of seeing brown, I saw more than what meets the eye. I saw beauty. Instead of being right, I saw possibility. Instead of someone being wrong, I saw love. Instead of difference, I felt amazement. I thought, staring down the shade of brown in their eye, (laughs) gee, this person in their eye right now has more atoms than stars in the universe. That's so powerful. So can I view them with greater perception, with a deeper perception? Just then, the tension and the indifference, it fell away. We're both just scratching the surface on what we could be. We can handle these differences and offenses with greater wisdom. We can figure it out. Try that eyeball stare exercise. Think of those atoms in the eyeball next time you get into a chippy conversation with someone. In our scientific eyesight, it's a fact that we all have a blind spot. It's in the optic disc where the nerve exits the eye. And that's why shows like Brain Games are interesting. Because it's how our brain fills in these blind spots with its best guess, which sometimes is incorrect. Try it yourself. Cover one eye and then cover the other eye to test your blind spot. This other person that you're with, when you are not seeing eye to eye, remember they too have blind spots. So do we. What if instead of arguing about who had the better or correct eyesight, who saw things the right way, what if we worked it together so that with both our eyes looking together, we could watch out for each other's blind spots? Like, it's like this. I just got back from this big road trip, and you're on this road trip, and the suitcases are stacked high, and there's pillows on top of that, and You need to change lanes and exit the freeway. So you ask someone in the car who has a different perspective, hey, can you check my blind spot? Tell me what I'm missing here. You work together for the safety and efficiency of travel. Hmm. Let's touch briefly again on illusions. Like in episode one, when we talked about all those clever, shifty illusions that we all mistake for reality. Those scenarios where we lack true visual perception. Even though we have good or even perfect visual acuity. Let's do one right here since we've been poking around optical illusions and eyesight. How about this? The ancient Mayans believed that cross eyes are attractive. And they would even make efforts to ensure their children became cross-eyed. And now we say, (laughs) oh my gosh, that's so cute. Like, oh, so cute. Such a basic and underdeveloped indigenous people. Oh, bless your heart. Question, am I really so much more advanced and intellectual, more sophisticated than they are? (laughs) 
those adorable little Mayans with their spears and the loincloths and, and their 20 over 100 vision. <laughs> I mean, I'm 20-20 vision. But, but Jesus said, be careful. You know, be careful looking at the moat in your friend's eye because you may very well have a beam in yours. And the, and the pot, you remember what the pot said to the kettle. You know, Gee, you're looking so suddy. And toasty. Oh, kettle, bless your heart. Remember Reuben, the famous artist of the 1500s, how he depicted the fat culture of that time, being fat, a fatty, with an F, not a PH, being plump. It was considered sensual, highly attractive, not just physically, but it was also attributed to higher social class. It represented a fullness of life. If you were fat, you had abundance, money. You were in the upper class of stability and rank. And if you were skinny, you were morbid, weak, and impoverished. Flip the coin today for a different illusion. And while the narrative is, is in, you know, shifting toward broader inclusion, there's still a big priority on what? Oh, give me the skinny delicious. Right, super diet, juice cleansing, Weight Watchers, low carb workout at leisure, Lululemon yoga, Whole Foods, high protein, low sugar, and you can see it all for free on my Insta. Right, follow me. These days, skinny can represent your socioeconomic status by shopping at the finest, overpriced grocery store with the clean, organic aisles. You know, sometimes paying for overpriced, farm fresh groceries. Obesity is now considered impoverished, available for 99 cents at the nearest drive through. Is there more here than what meets the eye? Which is it? Fat or skinny? I mean, just tell me what you want me to be. Depends what period of history, what side of the pool you dip the litmus test. It's so subjective, isn't it? Let's go deeper. So me here, as you know from my previous episodes, I've been slowly losing my hair for two decades, right? Since I was 20, I've had a noticeable receding hairline. Oh, man. And we all know... Bald is ugly, right? So for the last, call it 13 years, I've been taking this medicine called finasteride that helps me retain my hair. But my body is figuring out the fake out. And one of these days, I'll need to do the bald shave. I can't get there quite yet. See, (laughs) I'm too busy thinking I'm more sophisticated than those cute little Mayan Indians and their affinity toward cross-eyed being attractive. That's all just an optical illusion, right? You see? I mean, do I have more to offer than a head of hair? Can I still be attractive as a bald person? I guess it depends what story I want to tell myself. After all, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he was voted most sexy man, totally bald. Kelly Slater, the epic, famous, world-class surfer, seems to be making it pretty good having been bald most of his life. I mean, this body I have, it's not even mine. It's, it's just a loan. It's a lease. I'll have to turn it in at the end. The reality is, you know, what is the chi that flows through my body's energy fields that's, that's bouncing through my soul's chakras? What matters is my invisible world.
Take Stephen Hawking as another example. Brilliant. You know, the body wasn't who he was. Um, even if I were to describe and spend the next 10 minutes describing a historical culture that has found baldness so beautiful, is it then more important to hitch to that? And, and yeah, I mean, see how these other bald guys today are so popular and I can keep listing, you know, popular, attractive bald guys. And, oh, this is going to be cool. Is it better to hitch to that or is there a deeper truth? Is there a deeper perception in my invisible world? Some optical illusions say women should not shave their pits. Au natural. And some say, oh, oh, gross, gross, gross. Like, come on, wax it all, girl. Some say women should have thick eyebrows. There's actually medicine that can specifically grow hair on your eyebrows. Have you ever heard of a painting? Oh, let's see. What's the name? Painting is called uh, the Mona Lisa. It's probably the most famous painting in the world, right? And I learned this while at the Art of the Brick exhibit from Nathan Sawaya, because he did one of the Lego formations, was a replica of the Mona Lisa. It's pretty cool. Anyways, take a closer look at that painting, and you'll notice what? Very faint eyebrows on the woman. Because in that time period, shaving eyebrows was considered gorgeous. It was beautiful. Now, look at something on your body. Something you don't like. Did you think of it? Can you have peace with the non-peace of it? Can you let it just be? Just be, just passing through your house. It may change, it may not. It's really not yours, it's not really you. It's just a lease. And eventually you'll have to turn it in. Again, the best chess players see all angles. So do this. Can you think of something that you just love about your body? Like, my hair may be thin, but whew, sheesh, you should, I got this six-pack right here. And like that's the real me, this six-pack. But actually, that's not really you, you either. Might, so might there be more than what? More than what meets the eye. Is bald beautiful? Is fat beautiful? Is skinny beautiful? Heck, is being cross-eyed beautiful? Well, maybe, maybe not. It depends on a variety of egoic optical illusions. But you, no matter the shape of your eyelid or, or the density of your hair, you, your soul, wow, see, that's beautiful. I've had a day where I felt like, are you kidding me? This is it? I'm only up to here on the game board, uh, to this square? Man, I thought I would be a few loops ahead by now. You know, am I still struggling with this anxiety? Or um, how I look when I smile? You know, too gummy, my teeth too small. Or don't get me started on going bald again. Or maybe it's I can't find the motivation to work out. I'm still overwhelmed handling the loss of a loved one or a lost relationship. I'm still fighting that debt. Or, or maybe you only made one payment to your school loans. 
listen, there's more than what meets the eye. You can still be in debt and touch lives. It's not your 2020 acuity that matters, but your perception. You follow me, right? For example, are you saying, oh, I'm in debt? Or are you saying, hey, by making a payment to something, hey, I'm really saying I'm building the foundation of a larger net worth by making this payment. Or maybe you're out of shape and counting walking to the car as a workout. Oh, man. Oh, walking in the car is such a workout. Oh. Or are you saying, wow, see, I keep making fitness improvements every day, like even walking to the car. Are you overwhelmed to grow in your business? Or are you saying, hey, by each effort, I'm sending passion and care to my clients, to my customers, to my employees. Whenever I get sick, I tell myself, I'm sick. And then the next thing I say is, hey, my body's in the middle of healing and recovering right now. Blowing my nose, I'm coughing. This is a sign my body is already healing and removing these toxins. Watch your perceptions. Find the opportunities that are already emerging around you. Look harder. It's already in you. All right. All right, let's pause here. Let's call this episode 11, part one. Let's shut our eyes on this episode. Today has been super fly. Thanks for joining me and sharing this space together. Take your beauty and all its glory and share it because deep down what? Tell me, deep down, your eye has more atoms than all the stars in the sparkling universe. So canvas your light across the sky. And sparkle. Keep taking chances on yourself because all of us here in the world need who you were meant to be. So be it.